This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Good. Why don't you stand up? We want to welcome uh, everyone in the Fox Valley joining with us and everyone watching online this chilly, chilly morning <laughs> in Green Bay. Uh, let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. All right, well, it's at this time in our service where we like to pause and take our tithes and offerings. Uh, if you are in one of our campuses today and you're giving a check or cash, you can take one of the little envelopes and put your stuff in there and fill it out. And then when you leave the building, after service is done, the ushers will be uh, standing there and you can drop it in the basket there. Otherwise, as you can see on your screen there, we encourage you guys to also to go online and give. You can go to celebrationchurch.tv forward slash give. Uh, give there if you're watching online, you can do that as well. Uh, we also have the app that you can get. And uh, if you go online or through the app, you can also get through and set up the recurring giving. If there's just X amount that you know you're going to give each paycheck, you can go ahead and auto set that so that that is set up in there. So appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for your faithfulness uh, and helping to support what it is that we do here at Celebration Church. Um, so this morning, we are still in the season of Epiphany for all of those of you who are following along in the church calendar. <laughs> I know you're all thinking it's not me. Uh, that's okay. I, I didn't really follow it along either until like a, a few years ago. <laughs> I didn't really know what that was about. Uh, growing up a very evangelical, charismatic kid, that was just something that those Catholics did. Uh, and I didn't know much about it. But what's been neat for me, uh, learning this and learning about the church history, kind of realized that, oh, the church is bigger than just me and my experience. And the things that we struggle with and with the Bible and we go through and in our faith, oh, people have been struggling through this for thousands of years. This isn't something new. Kind of gives a depth uh, <laughs> to my faith. Uh, hopefully it does to yours as well. But we are in the season of Epiphany, and this is about God revealing himself. And um, this morning's text that I want to look at is found in Nehemiah. Um, <clears throat> now, just some historical setup here. Uh, Nehemiah, which first off, Nehemiah, uh, it actually translates to comforted by God. 
which is good. Be honest with you, after the sports ball game yesterday, <laughs> I could use some comforting by God. You know, it's so funny, at Green Bay, it's uh, it, this whole state, anyone who's a Packers fan, uh, we're so passionate about our team. Um, that comes with benefits and it comes with pains, right? Because you get so invested in it. So uh, as I was reading through this, you know, Nehemiah comforted by God, I was like, ah, that's so God. Uh, which actually was a shock to me because I always thought Nehemiah translated to man of small stature or something like that because why else would they call him Nehemiah? <laughs> nope, the pain, the, the groans there were the correct response. That was good. I was checking with you guys. I set the bar pretty low on that one. Once again, groans, yes. All right, dad jokes aside, <clears throat> we can move on now. <laughs> I actually tested that one on my family, uh, and they gave me the same response as well. I may have gotten a request not to use that, actually. <clears throat> okay, but we're here in the book of Nehemiah. Now, if you look uh, in your Bible, Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, and um, uh, it's written by, surprise, surprise, Nehemiah. A lot of it is just kind of almost a journaling um, of him kind of going through his experience. Now, while the book is found sort of in the middle of the Old Testament, uh, chronologically, this is actually one of the, really the last big event that happens before the birth of Jesus. So even though it's in the middle chronologically, it actually happens uh, towards the end. <clears throat> and um, some of the other contemporary names that are happening around this time are Ezra, which is also a book actually um, a lot of scholars believe Ezra and Nehemiah were sort of read together as one book. Actually, you could throw Malachi. He was another guy that was in there. That's actually the last book in the Old Testament. And these guys are kind of all alive at the same time. And um, so what's happened here in the history is the Israelites, you know, they had the Babylonian exile. It means all the Israelites <clears throat> scattered all over the place. The city of Jerusalem, their big city has fallen. Uh, it's just in... They tore everything down, they're scattered. And then the Babylonian uh, rule kind of goes away because the Persians come in and they take over. And so now the Israelites are allowed to head back to Jerusalem. So they're heading back to Jerusalem, but uh, it's not really a vacation destination. <laughs> you know, it's a city that's been burned to the ground. <clears throat> and so there's a lot of turmoil there and, and uh, Nehemiah, <clears throat> It kind of, when in his story, it jumps into where, you know, the Israelites have been there in Jerusalem, things aren't great, and, and he sees a problem and he wants to fix it. Now, Nehemiah, um, you know, he's a little different than Ezra. You know, Ezra, if you, if you read about that, or as I mentioned his name, he's there with the Israelites, but he's like, he's the senior pastor guy, okay? He's the priest that's there. Um, Nehemiah is a guy who has some good position with the king of Persia. He's in his court. He's his, you know, cupbearer. He's high level in there. And so because he has the king's ear, he talks to him and he tells them, hey, listen, I, I want to go back and help my people. I want to help them build the city because they're there and they're in this city. The walls are torn down. They're in fear. There's turmoil everywhere. And it's keeping a lot of other people from, you know, wanting to come into the neighborhood. And so he asks the king and the king gives her permission and Nehemiah goes, kind of becomes the governor of Jerusalem and he helps rebuild the walls. Now, if you're into leadership stuff, um, you know, you like reading books on leadership and listen to podcasts on leadership and it's leadership, leadership. And 
uh, but you don't read your Bible much, you should find a study on Nehemiah because it's a great study on leadership. Uh, this is a man who he overcame opposition from outsiders as well as in, uh, internal turmoil because, see, he goes there and he says, okay, I'm gonna build the walls while the other, you know, uh, kings and guys around uh, Jerusalem weren't so excited about that because that's taken as a threat to them. And they did not want him there, which is part of the reason why the Israelites were scared. Excuse me, were scared. <coughs> Remember last I was up here a while back and my voice just cracked. Goodness gracious, that didn't happen right there. But there was a lot of screaming for me last night. <laughs> Getting the old voice warmed up. But Nehemiah, uh, he helps build up and help need to build these walls. And of course, he has to do this uh, while other people want to kill them all. And so what he does is he comes in, he uses his, uh, his administrative skills, he develops a strategy of how we're gonna build the wall, use half the people to build the wall, half the people to protect the people that are building the wall. As governor, he negotiated peace among the Jews because they were unhappy about some of the taxes. He exhibited a steadfast determination to complete his goals, accomplishing those goals, which resulted in people encouraged, renewed, and excited about their future. And another thing you can learn is that God uses all manners of people. Because as, as I mentioned, you know, kind of the, the three big names here at this time are Nehemiah, you know, um, you got Ezra, and you got Malachi. And these guys, while Ezra's a priest, Malachi's a prophet, Nehemiah's, he's like a business guy. <laughs> and he sees a problem, and he goes and fixes it. You know, a lot of times I think, we in the church think in order to do something for God, we have to be in ministry. In order to make a difference in the kingdom, we have to somehow be in full ministry or we have to have our Bible memorized or we have to know how to pray really well. No, not at all. You know, if you're here today, you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, God can use you to make a huge difference. You might not even know where Nehemiah was. You might be learning for the first time that Nehemiah was a book in the Bible. It doesn't matter. That has nothing to do with what God can do with you if you're willing to let him use you. So he has a talent, he has an ability, and he says, God, use me. So he goes and he does, he builds up the city walls. And what's interesting here is you're, you're starting to see how God is about to move on the people. There's about to be a revival here with the Israelites. They've all been scattered away. They're not following God. That's part of the reason they got scattered now they're coming back together and God's gonna rebuild. What, what God really wants to do here is he wants to rebuild his people. But what I think is so interesting about this as I was reading it is you know what he did? First, he had to rebuild those walls before he rebuilt his people. I think, well, well why is that? Has you ever been so distracted by something? <laughs> it's hard to hear God's word. You know, it's part of the reason that we strive to have excellence in our facilities at Celebration Church. You know, if you walked in this morning and there was just this massive stench odor of like some rotting dead carcass somewhere, a bunch of squirrels got in the wall and died, it would be difficult to hear anything I'm saying this morning because it's hard to hear me over the sound of the nasty smell. You know, it's hard to be saying amen when you're sitting there holding back like dry heaves. You know, another, another thing I think of is we've got this little dog uh, that we got. It's our COVID dog, you know. Uh, I'm sure some of you probably picked up COVID dogs as well, uh, or quarantine dogs, if you will. And so we've got this little fluffy teddy bear dog. His name is Griffin. And Griffin, he's a good boy. 
He is. He's, he's not one of the little yappy dogs, which I appreciate. He's pretty chill, and he's a good listener, especially to me. I'm the one that trained him and stuff, you know, so if he's doing something in the house, mom can be yelling his name, the kids can be yelling his name, he pretends he can't hear them. When I say, come, <laughs> you hear the little feet coming, and he's like, yeah, yeah. And he is a great listener, unless there is food in the room. <laughs> right, you have a pet like this? It's like they're the best boy, best girl in the world until someone has like a chicken bone. Because right, you could get just one of you people, a random stranger to the dog. You know, if we're in a room, he'll always listen to me unless you have some chicken in your hand. Now he can't hear me over the sound of that chicken. And you see him, he's kind of looking at me like, I want to hear you, Dad, I want to hear you, but oh, there's that chicken. And so he can't hear what I'm saying. <laughs> get rid of the chicken, get that out, you know, and there's no distraction there. All of a sudden, miraculously, he can hear me. And he's such a good boy. This is sort of the image I get here, is these Israelites there in the city of Jerusalem, but they're in turmoil. They can't get along with each other. They're upset about this and that, and they're living in fear about the outside. And this is where Nehemiah sees, okay, I'm going to come help you build these walls. All of a sudden, the walls are built. Safety is brought. People are starting to move back. And now that the distractions are removed, now God is able to speak to and build up his people. And that's what I want to look at this morning is about how God wants to speak to you, wants to build us up through the word of God. You see in 2 Timothy 3.16, where it says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to build us up so that we can do good works for him. He wants to do a revival in our lives. And one of the ways that that happens is we need to get into the word of God and let that come in. But you might need to eliminate some distractions from your life. It's hard to read the Bible or get anything from it when there's 30 people asking you something and kids are jumping on top of you and flying elbows coming in or you're super distracted by something. It's, <laughs> I got through it, but I don't know if I understood anything. Again, that's the reason why we do things with excellence around here so you're not distracted by things. So you can sit and focus in and hear the word of God. So anyway, so we're gonna pick up in our story, Nehemiah 8 uh, and verse one. And so where we're at, Israelites have come back, Nehemiah's built the wall, they've got the wall built, now God's gonna start building his people. So it says this, it says, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses. Now, the book of the law of Moses, this is their Bible, if you will. Uh, this is the first five books uh, of the Bible, and it is what God had given to the Israelites to let them know his intentions, his plan, how he wants them uh, to live. So it says, uh, so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly. So all the people have gathered, gathered together. And it says it which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. Now, this is interesting because a lot of times you would hear that they're just going to speak it to the men. And it was like, man, no, all these people need to hear God bring everyone together. In fact, anyone who can understand, which means even kids. You know, as long as they can understand, 
He was like, bring him in. And that's why it's very important. It's important to understand. This is why we have our kids' church. This is why we take your kids and we separate them into different age groups. And there's a reason for that. One is to make sure that they don't band together and start a riot. <laughs> that's a very practical reason. <laughs> that's the build the wall reason. But the thing is, is because we want to help your kids understand things. So there's things you can say to a five-year-old versus a 12-year-old. They understand different things. This is why we separate them out and we can help them understand things. But he brings everyone together, everyone who can understand, gathering together, all sitting there. And it says that he read it aloud from daybreak until noon. Just in case you were wondering how long I was going to go, I, I promise you it will be less than about five hours. <laughs> I think daybreak for them, I think if you research it, maybe the sun came up around seven o'clock or something like that. So imagine going to a five-hour sermon. God must be moving, right? <laughs> for those people not to all fall asleep. He's doing something here, and he reads this to them. I was just kept sitting there thinking, like, how is Ezra's voice not going? I mean, I can barely get through 30 minutes without it sounding like I'm going through puberty again. This guy's up here for five hours preaching the word of God. And it says, all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. See, God is moving in these people's lives. They came in and they weren't just coming in to stand there to check off their, okay, we came to the assembly. You know, there wasn't a sign-in sheet, you know, where they came in and we were here. Good, job done, we'll go and, uh, you know, have lunch afterwards. This was a thing where they came in and they wanted to hear. They were listening attentively because they believed God was speaking to them. You know, when you read the Bible, when you come into church and hear us preach the word to you, are you anticipating that God is going to speak to me? Because if you come in, you listen a little differently, right? All you husbands know exactly what I'm talking about because we're notoriously not great listeners. You ever have a conversation with your wife where she's talking and you know she just wants you to agree with her? And so you're not listening, you're like, uh-huh, 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 right? I talk about this when we do our marriage stuff. I, I say, you know, it's like we have this little defense mechanism in our brain. You know, so if we're on our phones and we're reading something and then outside interference comes in, there's like an alarm in our brain that goes off. And that's what it sounds like. It sounds like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then that keeps going until the outside interference goes away and then we can continue on with our deal. The problem is your wife thinks that you heard everything she said and agreed with her. But then later in the day, she'll ask, well, did you do this yet? Did you do that? What are you talking about? I told you, you didn't tell me anything because you're not listening. But if you've grown as a husband and you've learned that you can avoid arguments that will come down the road if you don't listen to your wife, you stop what you're doing and you listen to her. And now when you're focused on her and you're paying attention to her, now you're hearing what she's saying and you'll remember it. So we get that. It's the same thing here. You get this image with these people. Here they are for five hours and they're listening because they know God is gonna speak to me. So in verse five, it says that Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. You know, he built, they built this platform so that everyone could see him. Again, you're getting these ideas of these things that they've sort of created to make sure that the word of God can be preached. You know, that's the reason we stand on a stage here. 
It's not just so I can feel taller. It's so that everyone can see who's talking. It's the reason we have lights. It's a little awkward if there's just a black, faceless creature up here speaking to you. That's why we have lights on, so you can see us, so that people on TV can see us, so people in Fox Valley, so we can get all of this all sent all over the place. So here he is. He's up on this thing. He's standing above them, and it says he opened the book, and all the people stood up. Any of you ever been in a service where every time they read from the scripture, you stand up? The idea here is that something special is happening here, that God is going to speak to us. That's why they stand up in reverence. So here he goes, he takes his Bible, he opens it up, and he begins to read, which is an important thing there, the part of, it's just a small little thing where it says, Ezra opened the book. For a lot of us, God wants, is wanting to speak to us. He's wanting to speak into our lives, but we won't open the book. We won't take the time to open the book. We'll say, well, we don't like to, I don't like to read. I don't like this and that. I don't understand it. I don't, da, 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 da. We get all these reasons, so we don't open the book. And I don't love to read, but you can go through and you can read through the scripture and you go into it with a different anticipation of God is gonna speak to me. And if you really hate reading it, you can download a little app on your phone, the Bible app, and just tell it to read it to you. <laughs> and some guy in this really cool voice, and the Lord said, like reads to you. And you can do that when you're in your car driving. So why would I do that? Because you want to get that word of God in you. Because God's speaking, and it's like, when? Where is he? And you go into it with anticipation that his word is going to speak to us. So he opens up the book of the law. All the people can see him. And then it says, he praises the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. And then they bow down and they worship the Lord with their faces to the ground. In verse eight, it says that they read from the book of the law. Now, when he's talking about they, the, I skipped a verse there because it was a lot of just names of people who are there with Ezra. So, so Ezra isn't just up there by himself. He has like the Levites are there, his pastoral staff, if you will. He's got the other religious leaders there with him. And it says that they read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so the people understood what was being read. So you get this image of, these guys going around this crowd and they're, they're reading from it. They're saying, well, let, let, let me help you explain what this is. You know, because sometimes you ever, you read something, you have no idea what it, it really means. There's parts of the Bible I read and I'm like, I, I mean, I think maybe this, but I don't really know. And that's okay. But that's why it's good to get around other people. That's why it's good to come in and you hear from us. We try and make things clear and simplify it so you can understand it. This is why small groups are so great. You know, if you saw in the announcements today, there was a testimony from a couple there that joined a small group, went through things, and just, poof, word of God opened up to them. You can email in. You know, my father, Pastor Mark, uh, always says at the end of the services, you know, email me. Email me, ask me questions. And you guys do, which is great. So you ask those questions. And get the understanding. Even us, the pastors here, we get together. We have a group of folks that go through because uh, a lot of, we usually follow the lectionary. In other words, so it's the third Sunday of Epiphany and they put together uh, different verses for that week that kind of go along uh, with the theme and, and stays in line with the, the church calendar. And we get together with other pastors, priests, and bishops 
different denominations, different backgrounds, everything, and we discuss the Word of God. And it's wonderful. And you get to hear from these people, and they get to say, well, this is what I see it saying, and this is what I, I think God's saying here, and there's this neat little thing that ties in here, and it's, it, you're just constantly going through and helping to understand things, and God's constantly speaking. And so here they are, they're going around helping these people to understand, and they're hearing it. They're getting the word inside of them. And it says, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. See, why were they weeping? Because they're being convicted. They're realizing, oh my goodness, we were living this way. We're not supposed to live that way. Sometimes that's reasons we don't want to read the Bible. It will tell me what I'm doing wrong, and I don't want to hear it. But what they say here is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't mourn. There's actually some rejoicing that should happen here. He says there, he says, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. And see, the word of God has a way of just cutting into you and getting in there if you'll let it, if you'll let God speak to you. You know, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says it great this way in uh, Hebrews 4.12. It says, God's word is alive and working and is sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts all the way into us where the soul and the spirit are joined to the center of our joints and bones and it judges the thoughts and the feelings of our hearts. It has a way to get in and mess with you in a certain way if you will allow it, if you will get into the word, listen attentively and allow God to get in there and change you. Now, you might go through a season where it's kind of like, oh, I feel convicted. But as you're going to see here, you don't sit there. As Nehemiah says, he goes on to say, as I accidentally hit the wrong button and lose everything, there we go. Nehemiah says, he says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. In other words, no, no, this isn't a time to mourn, guys. This is a time to party. Well, why? Because you were going one direction. You were going a way that leads to death. And now you've realized you were wrong. And now you're walking into righteousness. See, this is what the word of God will do. When you read it, when you go through it, it will point at something. And there's one central thing that all the scriptures point at. One thing in the middle. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, you might come in to a service, hear a message, and just feel cut. Oh, my goodness. But that's not where you sit. You don't sit in shame. You don't sit in, ah, oh, yeah, I messed up, and sorrow. But you should rejoice because, thank goodness, this is not the direction I'm going I'm following Jesus Christ. And there's those of you here who you've experienced that. There's probably a lot of you, you came to faith in Christ by sitting in a service similar to this, hearing a message, and just, God just grabbed a hold of you. And while there may have been tears at a moment of just, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, God. Jesus comes, he wipes away those tears, that's okay. I've forgiven your sins. And now you're co-heirs with me. You're sons and daughters of God. And you can have life eternal and walk in righteousness. So that's what our Nehemiah here is saying. He's like, guys, don't mourn. Party. Get some food. Get some drinks. Go tailgate after this service. This is a good time. And he says, not only that, but he says, and, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. And so you see the word of God here, it has a way of changing these people. 
taking them from going the wrong way into moving them into righteousness, which will spur on good deeds. They're there and they're helping others. And then he says this, this is a famous scripture, uh, many of you are familiar with it. It says, this day is holy to our Lord. Uh, it says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's a huge thing. Because when you put your joy in other things, you might chase the joy of your sports team winning. You might chase the joy of financial security, right? If I get financial security, I'll be, I'll, that's how happiness will be. Or success in your career, or success in your relationships. But the problem is if that's what you're building your life off of, that joy, it falls, it crumbles. And then you're left crushed again. But not so with the joy of the Lord. Because the joy of the Lord, it can be a strength to you. See, God never changes. He's the same. The same God that's working here, these guys, is working today in our lives. In the same way he spoke to these people's hearts, he's speaking to us today, if you'll choose to believe. So this morning, as we get ready to move into our time of communion, I want to throw out there that maybe some of you this morning are feeling God speaking to you. And maybe you're saying, I've never really made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I know I've not been living the right way. I'm feeling convicted right now. And yes, I want that joy of the Lord. I want to repent. I want to move into righteousness and let God build me up. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that as we pray this morning. And it's so great too as we move into the time of communion because we're told to examine ourselves before we partake. So if you would just bow your heads with me. And Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in thought, word, or deed by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Lord, have mercy on us. Forgive us of all our sins. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And so this morning, if you've never made that commitment to follow Jesus Christ, just take some time now as we get ready for communion and just ask him to be Lord of your lives. Ask him to forgive you of your sins.